Thank you for listening to this audio from Trinity Presbyterian Church in Spartanburg, South Carolina. For more information about Trinity, visit our website, trinityspartanburg.com. I wanted to introduce for you uh, our speaker for today. Um, I know that uh, I enjoyed meeting him for the first time uh, just minutes ago. So, um, so his name is Mark Quo. He has just graduated from Greenville Presbyterian Theological Seminary. Um, he's actually going to be ordained this week, examined for ordination this week. Yes, and we know how that goes in the Presbyterian world. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's kind of like our Iron Man competition for the brain. Uh, so uh, we should be praying for that. Um, his ultimate goal is to go to Taiwan um, to serve with the Lintons and, uh, and their connection, and that is where his connection is to us and our church, and um, I believe they're good friends with, uh, with Chuck and his family. Um, and so I am excited to see what uh, Mark has for us today and prepare your hearts uh, for what he is going to bring. Um, I know that, you know, when you have a guest speaker, sometimes it's easy to kind of zone, uh, you know, it's not what's usual, but listen carefully, prepare your hearts. I think the Lord has something special for us today. And so come on, Mark, and let's hear what you have. I'd like to invite you to turn your copy of the Bible to Psalm 23, which is the passage for today's sermon, Psalm 23. And I also want to express my gratitude for your session, for inviting me to preach the word here. What a great privilege to worship our triune God this morning with you all. And before we read God's word, let us Pray for God's blessing upon the reading and hearing of his word. Almighty God, our Father in heaven, how we thank you for your word, without which we cannot know you savingly. Lord, we do ask that by your Holy Spirit, you enable us to understand your word. You will enable our hearts to respond to your word with humility, obedience, and faith. Enable our hands as well to serve you and your church. We also pray that through the preaching reading and the hearing of your word, your son, our Lord Jesus Christ, may be exalted high. We pray all these things in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Psalm 23, remember as I read and you follow along, this is God's holy, inerrant word, so give very careful attention now. Psalm 23, a psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures, he leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, Goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life, 
and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This follow the reading of God's holy word. You and I are poor and needy creatures living in a fallen world. And we know that God created all things in the beginning is very good. But because of the fall, nothing is as good as it is created to be. You can easily make a list of all kinds of problems, troubles, challenges that the world, the church, and ourselves are facing daily. For example, you might have already noticed that groceries and gasoline are getting more and more expensive due to inflation. Wars are still happening in many places in the world, and they don't seem to stop shortly. And for the churches as well, you might notice that many churches today are getting more and more liberal, abandoning the scripture, calling evil good and calling good evil, endorsing what God is condemning, such as homosexuality. And perhaps you yourselves are struggling this morning with long-term illnesses, broken marriages, financial crisis, or rebellious children, or even rebellious grandchildren. So this morning, I'd like for you to ask this question to your own hearts. As a Christian, how are you going to respond to such challenges? And there are typically two kinds of sinful responses to all kinds of problems. The first is anxiety. We are panicking about what's going on right now and what things are going to be in the future, anxiety. And the second sinful response is complacency. That means that we are taking God's mercies for granted. We are relying upon our own strength, forgetting we are what we are by God's grace alone. And so this is why we need Psalm 23 this morning to remind us how God will care for us as our good shepherd and how we ought to trust in him with confidence and thanksgiving. Psalm 23 is the cure for your unbelieving anxiety and your prideful complacency. And what I'd like to show you this morning from this passage is this. The Lord is your shepherd who provides for you, protects you, and pursues you. Consider three things with me this morning. The Lord, he will do three things for you. First of all, the Lord provides for you. And second, the Lord protects you. And third, the Lord pursues you. So first of all, we see from this text, the Lord provides for you. In Psalm 23, David was reflecting how God had dealt with him so kindly as his good shepherd through his previous afflictions. Shepherd is a metaphor of God's care for his beloved people. A good shepherd will do what? Will make sure to provide all that the sheep need, especially food, drink, direction, and protection. So in verse 1, we see that David could confidently declare, I shall not want. That means David shall not lack anything he really needs because the omniscient, the all-knowing God, fully knows what he needs. The Almighty God is fully able to provide, and thus God will take the best care of him. God is the all-sufficient shepherd for his people. In verse 2, further describes how God provides for his people, especially their physical needs. So look at verse 2 with me carefully. 
In verse 2, we read, He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. Shepherd, um, excuse me, sheep, they are dumb animals. They can hardly find food, water, and cool places by themselves. So they fully rely upon their shepherd for their provision. A good shepherd takes care of his sheep to lie down in green pastures so that they can eat fresh grass and rest there. A good shepherd also leads the sheep to quiet waters instead of fast running waters like streams. Why was that? It's because the wool of sheep can absorb lots of water and therefore, if they fall into a fast-running stream, they might be too heavy to get out of the stream and might be carried away by the stream and get drowned eventually. David, he used to be a shepherd, so he must have got this metaphor from his own experience of vocation. <clears throat> David must have recalled how God faithfully cared for him when he was on the wrong, being surrounded and pursued by his enemies, such as Saul and Absalom. The shepherd providing for his sheep is a very vivid and beautiful picture of how God provides for his own people. So like the sheep, we are poor and needy as well, not knowing how to care for ourselves, and as we daily rely upon God to provide for us. God provides for our daily food and drink, shelter and rest, and all the other physical necessities. Everything that sustains your life comes from God. God is the fountain of all good things. We are told in James 1.17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming from the Father of lights. And we normally get provided by working our daily job, jobs, don't we? And yet, ultimately, it is still God who provides strength, wisdom, resources, and opportunities. And it's God who makes these means fruitful and productive for us so that we may work and make a living. Now, in verse 3, the metaphor of shepherd goes on to show how God provides for our spiritual needs as our shepherd. God provides the right path or the path of righteousness for his people. Look at verse 3 carefully with me. In verse 3 we read, He restores my soul. He guides me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. So again, sheep are prone to wander and go astray and even fall off cliffs and die and therefore, sheep rely on the shepherd to guide them in the right path. In a very much similar way, God's people are prone to wander, to go astray from God and his righteous paths. And their going astray leads to their spiritual harm and damage. And therefore, as we are told in verse 3, we desperately need God's grace of restoration and guidance for our souls. When our souls are damaged and harmed by our sinful waywardness from God, we need God to restore our souls to true repentance and joy of salvation. And we need God to lead us to walk in the paths of righteousness, 
That is our daily sanctification by the power of the Holy Spirit. You die to your sin, your sinful words, thoughts, and deeds, and you also live unto righteous words, thoughts, and deeds according to the law of God by the power of the Spirit. Notice the purpose here, the purpose for God to lead us in righteousness. Why, why on earth would God be willing to lead us in the path of righteousness? Well, we are told in verse 3, for his name's sake. God leads and restores us when we are running astray. Why is that? Is it because we are so good that God cannot afford to lose us? No, no. God graciously restores us only because God himself is good. There is nothing in and of ourselves that could ever compel God to help us. God extends his shepherding care for us only for his name's sake so that he may manifest his covenant loving kindness and faithfulness to his people and get all the glory and praise from his people. David must have recalled the bitter moments when he went astray from God by committing adultery and murder, which led to severe consequences, not only to himself, but also to his whole household. But David must also have recalled how those sweet moments when God graciously restored him to repentance, granted him forgiveness, and renewed his obedience as we are told in Psalm 51, the beautiful psalm of penitence. Brothers and sisters, it is indeed an astounding condescension for God to be your shepherd. We know that shepherd is a very lowly and even dirty job in David's day. And yet God, God is the king of kings. God is the Lord of lords full of honor and glory above all the heavens and earth. And yet God still chose to describe himself as a shepherd who stoops to you and offers tender care for you, even though you are but a needy, messy, and unworthy sinner. Are you amazed by such kindness from your good shepherd? Your life and breath is sustained daily through various means. So it is easy for you to trust in those means and not God himself as your shepherd. But brothers and sisters, never forget, it is God, your shepherd, who supplies these means for you. And it is God who makes these means profitable and fruitful for your good. Without your shepherd, you won't have the water and pastures you need. So give all the glory and praise and thanks and trust to your shepherd and not those means, much less to yourselves. Perhaps this morning you are struggling with discontentment at this moment. Perhaps you feel that you lack something you really desire, something you really want. But think about this. Does not your shepherd, the all-knowing God, know all that you need? Does not God know your needs better, infinitely better than yourself know your needs? Well, this morning the Lord 
is calling you from this passage, he's calling you to repent of your discontentment and to call you to trust in him as your good shepherd for all that you need. The Lord is also assuring you that in him, you shall not lack anything that you really need. You might lack something you, you want, you desire, because your all-wise shepherd does not see fit or good for you. But listen to this. You will never lack anything that you truly need because your shepherd cares for you with his infinite wisdom and power. Jesus, your good shepherd, is all sufficient for you, for every and each of your needs. Are you struggling with certain besetting sins? Take comfort that God is ready and able to restore your soul by granting forgiveness and cleansing as soon as you repent of your sin and turn to Him. Take action as well as you study this passage this morning. Take action by God's power to mortify your sins and strive for holiness and obedience, not by your own strength, but by the power of your good shepherd who is willing and able to lead you in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake, as he has promised in this glorious passage. When was the last time you asked the Lord to restore your soul and to lead you in the path of righteousness? Or do you rely on your shepherd only for your physical needs while you neglect your spiritual needs? The Lord is our good shepherd who provides for us both physically and spiritually. Now, this passage goes on to show us God is our good shepherd he protects us. So secondly, we see from this passage, the Lord protects you. Verses 4 and 5 shows how God as a shepherd protects and defends his people from evils so that they may fear no evil. So look at verse 4 with me carefully. In verse 4, we read, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Again, this is a very vivid picture of God, how God will care for his people, especially here we see how God protects his people. Back to the metaphor. The sheep may walk through the valley of the darkness of shadow, being in danger from wild beasts at any moment. And in a very similar way, living in this fallen world, we are surrounded by all kinds of evils, whether it's illnesses, disasters, harms done to you by other men. And most of the time, we just cannot predict when and how such evils will fall upon us, just like dangers that come out of darkness, which makes the danger even more dangerous. We are also facing the big enemies, our flesh, the world, and the devil of which are seeking to draw us believers away from our God. What a great danger we are facing daily from our flesh, the world, and devil. Now, in this metaphor of David, shepherd, the shepherd uses several tools. So we see the shepherd uses a rod. What is a rod? Well, a rod is a short but sturdy wooden stick 
to fight off animals, wild animals, and to number the sheep, making sure that none of the sheep is lost. Or similarly, God protects us by fighting our enemies, restraining evils, and making sure none of his elect will not be lost. No evil will fall upon us, except in God's most wise and holy providence, as we are told in Matthew 10. Matthew 10, verses 29 to 31, Jesus says this, Are not two sparrows sold for a cent? And yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So do not fear. You are more valuable than many sparrows. In other words, Jesus is saying this. If those little birds, which are of little value, God cares for them, then how much more should you believe that God will care for you since you are his beloved children? of much more value than those little birds. Yes, God will care for you. We are also told in John 10, none of Jesus' sheep will perish. Jesus says this, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give eternal life to them and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Do you hear that? The shepherd here also uses another tool, a staff. What is a staff? A, long, a staff is a long wooden stick with a crook at the end to keep the sheep within a safe distance and sometimes even to pull back the wayward sheep to, back to the safer place. In a similar way, although we are prone to wander away from God, yet God promises to guard and preserve us by his power so that we may persevere in our faith and obedience. We persevere not because we are so able, but because God is so able to preserve us so as to guarantee our perseverance. Believers are those who are preserved in Jesus Christ, as we are told in the book of Jude, verse 1. Believers are also protected by the power of God through faith for salvation ready to be reserved in the last time as we are promised in 1 Peter 1.5. Because God powerfully overcomes and restrains evils and preserves his people, we can say confidently with the psalmist David, I fear no evil, for you are with me. You are riding your staff, they comfort me. Well, brothers and sisters, this morning, are you ready to go through the valley of the shadow of death as part of your normal Christian life? Are you ready for that? Do not be deceived by the false teaching that tells you, well, as long as you trust in the Lord, then you will be healthy and wealthy and no trouble whatsoever. Do not believe that. That's a satanic lie. Being a Christian does not free you from trials. But being a Christian means your good shepherd will lead you, not without, but through the trials by his power and his tender care for you. Are you struggling with fear this morning? If so, what do you fear? Is it your finance? Is it your relationship with others? 
Is it your peer pressure from school? Is it your health? Is it somebody that you dearly care about? What do you fear? The future economy of the country? How others look at you? Well, remember from this passage, remember and take comfort that the Lord, your shepherd, always is always present with you through Christ by the Spirit. Your good shepherd is always restraining evils that could have harmed you. Your good shepherd is always preserving your faith that could have been lost without his protection. No harm can ever befall you except what God has ordained for your good and for his own glory. If any harm ever happens to you, it's only by God's most holy and wise plan for your sanctification, intended to make you more and more conform to the image of Christ. Is that what you desire? Now in verse 5, this metaphor shifts slightly from the sheep field to the battlefield, showing that God's protection ultimately leads to our victory. Look at verse 5 with me. In verse 5 we read, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. So let's, let's get the image um, right here. The, the table refers to a feast to celebrate victory in a battle. And anointing the head with oil refers to the establishment of kingship, which is a borrow from David's kingship, obviously. And the overflowing cup refers to the abundance possessed by the king. So this is a picture borrowed from the experience of King David. So we know that God promised that David would be the king of Israel. And Samuel anointed David to be the future king of Israel. But such a promise was not without challenges. So did all that he could to dishonor and destroy David, sending his army and his special forces to assassinate David. But he was never successful. He was never successful. Why? Why not? It's because the promise-keeping God, David's good shepherd, always protected David and ensured that David would eventually become the king of Israel. No matter how powerful, how wealthy, how cunning Saul was, no matter how Saul conspired to take David's life, God still gave the kingship to David, and God blessed David abundantly according to his infallible plan. The victory of David revealed in Psalm 23 is but a foreshadow. It's a picture of the victory of the greater David. That is the Lord Jesus, the Son and the Lord of David. As the God-man Messiah, Jesus was betrayed, mocked, beaten, whipped, stripped, and crucified. He suffered sorrow, pain, shame, death, under God's wrath and curse for your sake. And yet, all these sufferings did not lead to Jesus' failure, did it? But only led to his victory 
decisively defeating the power of sin and Satan and death. Because of Jesus' humble obedience, even to the point of death on the cross, God highly exalted Jesus and bestowed upon him the name which is above every name. You see victory over victory here in the life, death, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And all true believers are in union with Christ Jesus and thus are partaking of his glorious victory. What does that have anything to do with you regarding Jesus' victory foreshadowed in David's kingship? Well, do you realize that, brothers and sisters, your enemy, Satan, is seeking to dishonor and destroy you by tempting you to turn away from your God just as Saul did to David? Do you understand that the only reason that you would not totally lose the battle but you will eventually win is only because God has won the battle through the cross and suffering of the Lord Jesus Christ? Do you understand the victory of Jesus and how much you ought to rely upon the victorious King Jesus? Do you rely on Jesus to fight the devil rather than succumb into his temptations and deceptions. Fight staunchly by your victorious King Jesus. While we have seen two beautiful pictures regarding God's provision physically and spiritually for his people, and we have also seen God's powerful protection which leads to victory as our shepherd. Now, this psalm, goes on to show us how God will pursue you as his people. The thirdly, we see from this passage, the Lord pursues you as your shepherd. As a good shepherd, God will pursue his people with loving kindness and goodness, as we are told in verse 6. Look at verse 6 carefully with me. In verse 6, we read, Surely, goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So here, notice the Hebrew word for follow in verse 6 can also be translated as pursue, which I believe better capture the sense of this text. So God's dealing with his people is not merely to, to keep them alive and survive, just like keeping your pet. No, there is much more to it. Than, than just keeping you alive and, and surviving. There's much more to it for God to care for you, to pursue you. Rather, God approaches and draws near to his people actively, personally, passionately, and purposefully for the sake of fellowshipping with his beloved people. We are told in verse 6 as well how God pursues his people. Surely, goodness and loving kindness will follow me. Here we see two of God's attributes are personified, representing God himself. It is essentially saying that God will follow and pursue me with all his goodness, loving kindness, and um, faithfulness. So here, goodness means God's intention and commitment to do good to his people. And loving kindness means God's steadfast love 
to his people on the basis of his gracious covenant with us. These two attributes are inseparable because God keeps covenant faithfulness, loving kindness to us by constantly doing good to us. Remember, God has no obligation to love and to do good to us. In other words, God owes nothing to us. And yet, God still voluntarily condescends and binds himself to love us and to do us good by way of covenant of grace. God's loving kindness and goodness is the fountain from which flows his provision, protection for his people. His goodness and loving kindness endures forever, as David said in verse 6, all the days of my life. In other words, no matter what happens, even when we are brought very low, even when we experience no light at all, even when we experience darkness subjectively, God's loving kindness and faithfulness and goodness still remain the same and will continue to pursue us unto all eternity. Nothing can ever separate us from the love of God, for the love of God is in the Lord Jesus Christ, as we are promised in Romans 8. Likewise, the Apostle John tells us in John 13, Jesus, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Do you hear that? God's love for us will never be hindered nor diminished. As we experience God's pursuit with his goodness and loving kindness, our hearts should be touched and delighted. And we should desire to be with God all the more, as we are told in the second part of verse 6. Look at verse 6 again with me. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life. Here's the point. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So you see here, for David, receiving physical provision and protection by God did not make him focus on things on the earth. No. Rather, these temporal blessings point David to the heavenly blessings, that is, being with God himself forever. God preserved David's earthly life, not for the earthly life itself, but for the sake that David may partake of the heavenly life with God, that is his portion forever. My brothers and sisters, the goodness and loving kindness of God should amaze you, shouldn't it? Who can ever say to another person, or I promise to be kind and loving and good to you all the days of your life. I will never lose patience with you. Who can ever say that? Who among the human beings except Jesus can ever say that to another human being? No. You know this. Certainly, no mortal man can ever say that. We know that our love is but fallible and feeble. But it is not so for God. It's not so for God. God will never be tired of showing His perfect goodness and loving kindness to those who truly belong to Him. 
Aren't you glad that God is not like you regarding how he loved you and showed loving kindness to you? How terrible would it have been if God's loving kindness towards us is like ours, feeble and fallible? So praise the Lord for such an unfathomable love for you, his people. Are you struggling with the assurance of God's love this morning? Are you doubting if God still loves you because you have committed certain sins, even grievous sins? Well, look at David's life. I encourage you this morning. Even though David was a former adulterer and murderer, nevertheless, God's goodness and loving kindness follows him all the days of his life. It is on the basis of God's goodness and loving kindness that God led him to repentance and restore his fellowship with him. So as long as you truly believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and repent of your sin by the Spirit, then you can be and you should be assured that God's goodness and loving kindness is also following you and pursuing you all the days of your life. He will never forsake you nor leave you. Not that your faith or repentance earn God's love for you. No, but rather God's love and kindness is the cause for your repentance and your faith. So trusting Him for your assurance of His love for you. Well, God has been very gracious in His care for you. Your food and drink and your salvation through Christ by the Spirit. But let me ask you this morning, do all these benefits, whether temporal benefits or saving benefits, do all these benefits move you to desire and cherish God all the more because He is so kind and good to you? Do they encourage you to worship Him more? Or do you somehow receive all these good things from your good shepherd and yet you forget the shepherd himself? And even see these things as more important than the shepherd himself. Is that your situation? Well, you and I are sinners. And therefore, you and I deserve nothing good from God, but only God's curse and wrath. So you must ask this question this morning. Why then can God still be our kind and good shepherd? even though we are such sinners. Why is that? It is because your great shepherd, Jesus Christ, has purchased the right for you by his blood to be the beloved sheep of God by laying down his own life in your place. Christ suffered hunger and thirst so that we may receive food and drink just as the sheep feed on the green pastures and drink on the quiet waters. Christ suffered separation from his Father in sorrow so that you may rest on God's presence in comfort. Christ was handed over to the torturing of enemies so that you may celebrate victory over the enemies at the table in the presence of your enemies. Christ's head was pierced by the crown of thorns so that your head may be anointed with oil. Christ drank the cup of God's full wrath for your sins so that you may drink the cup overflowing with blessings. 
Christ was rejected and crushed by God as your substitute so that you may be received and cared for by God as his beloved sheep. Christ cried out painfully on the cross, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Christ cried out so painfully that way so that you may cry out joyfully. Surely your goodness and your loving kindness will, be, will pursue me all the days of my life. So praise the Lord Jesus, your good shepherd, who has shed his own blood as your substitute and purchased the right for you to be God's sheep. Have you believed in the Lord Jesus as your good shepherd so that he is pursuing you with loving kindness and goodness towards you? Or are you still rejecting Jesus, running away from Jesus, despising Jesus, so that you are still under his curse and wrath? If that's your case, let me urge you this morning, repent and trust in the Lord Jesus as your good shepherd while you still can, because today is the day of salvation. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, how we thank you for your kind provision of the Lord Jesus Christ, your only begotten Son, who is our good shepherd and laid down his own life for us so that we may be in your loving care, so that we may flee from the wrath to come. We do ask that you enable us to trust in our Lord Jesus as our good shepherd and not in anything else so that we may glorify you and enable us to not trust in any means, but to honor Christ our Lord as our good shepherd all the days of our life. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.